Okay, Kingy baby. Let's see how you like a little shake, rattle, and roll. There's nothing... Welcome to Sleepless in St. Canard with Nostalgia Replaces Rim Cycles. I'm Kitty. And I'm Ange. And we haven't slept. In 30 years. This is a podcast about the 90s classic cartoon Darkwing Duck, where sometimes you get not one, but two sock hop era self-promotion songs in one episode. An episode where caped fools rush in to Oompa charge time machines and power slide back to a decade when little brothers and big brothers have a burning love for crime and shake, rattle, and roll their way straight to the jailhouse rock dear listeners that's right the king has entered the podcast in today's pompadour and pomade soaked episode paradox your favorite episode well it's not my least favorite but it's definitely up there <laughs> oh, if uh if you are unaware dear listeners we had categorized some episodes in our episode zero and i had placed this one as the writer's barely disguised fetish because of all the Elvis. Because Gracelanders unite, I suppose. It's really something. And it was really something that they, they harped on a lot in the 90s. Which, as a child, I didn't get. And I'm proud to say I've carried that over into adulthood. But, yes, yeah, so Paradox on Disney Plus is Season 1, Episode 9. Should you choose to watch it, I will warn you immediately that the thumbnail for this episode is more exciting than this entire episode because that Tyrannosaurus Rex is in it for maybe five seconds. What's the description for this episode? Goslin and Drake team up with a Tyrannosaurus to bring love to the orphans. Okay, so here it comes. Tyrannosaurus Rex growling at our intrepid heroes. Paradox. Darkwing Duck tests out a time travel machine. Exclamation point. That's it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they lull you into a false sense of security. Not a single mention of Elvis impersonation. Yeah, it seems like they really went for simplified descriptions for these episodes in general. They said nobody's going to care about this. Guess what? We care, baby. It'll probably just be the first of many bad Elvis impressions on this podcast. Uh, so yeah, so do we want to just dive right in here? Do you have any business to discuss? Aside from this, we've already recorded another episode with our guest speaker, but we will have an episode before that. Yes. So we'll just dive right in here. So do you want to give a brief synopsis of the episode, Ange? Sure, this is a time travel episode. There's actually a few, now that I think about it, that they mess around with the time-space continuum. But this is, I think, the first of any of the time travel episodes. Essentially, Darkwing and Goslin get sent back in time to, I think, the 50s? I want to say yes. 50s-ish, because I know that he graduates high school in 1972, and it couldn't have been that much earlier than that, so probably late 50s, early 60s, which, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to do the math on that. That's interesting. I didn't remember when he graduated. Yeah, he is class of 1972. It was on the banner in Clash Reunion, which makes sense because the episode takes place in 1992. And my understanding is that high school reunions are every 20 years. So 1972 
20 years later would be 1992. Mm -hmm. So if we assume that Drake is 18, 17 or so in 1972, and if he's about Goslin's age in Paradox, then that's, oh, math. I know, I know. So 1961, he would be 10 years old. Okay, we'll go with that. So that's probably Tad Stones is out there somewhere like screaming about continuity and Mm -hmm. why are you even trying? Why are you even bothering? But when did Greasers and those Pompadour type characters actual style occur? Like, was that the 60s or the 50s? It was the mid 50s. Okay. When it started. So St. Canard is just a little behind (laughs) on the times. And you know, too, the other thing is like, who's to say that the duck verse works in the same way our universe does? That's true. Just trying to force them into a a human timeline, which we all know how that went in twitching channels. It was very disturbing. I guess I should continue because I didn't even get anywhere close to (laughs) the episode. (laughs) (laughs) They They go back in time to, as we presume the 50s or 60s it's drake's childhood essentially and we meet little drake drakey mallard but darkwing obviously cannot tell his child self who he is because goslin's freaking out about how it's gonna mess with the future so they go back to their regular time only to discover that time is messed up and nothing's the same which means that they were actually supposed to go to the past and change something in order for things to happen the way they are Which is, I don't know, time travel stuff never makes sense and it's confusing. But they go back in time and they help little Drakey Mallard find the hero within because he is being bullied by these Elvis wannabe villains. They're criminals. And I guess Drake is just basically a stooge that gets bossed around by them and does their dirty work. What kind of person hires a nine-year-old and is just like, you, small child... You will do my bidding and you will help me rob stores. Well, I mean, they are a good scapegoat. If Drakey was at all maliciously inclined, it probably would have been a good thing. Like if he was a little brother, Lamont, it would have been a different story altogether. But it, yeah, no, he's just, he just seems like he's there to hold things, which I guess is also a very important job. Yes. And so basically the whole point of the episode is it's considered one of the Darkwing Duck potential origin stories for him although i want to say tad himself dismissed the episode but don't quote me on that it's generally not seen as the canon origin i think most fans agree that clash reunion is probably the definitive origin story for darkwing duck the most likely of how he became darkwing but this episode suggests that darkwing duck himself inspired his child self when he traveled back in time by helping him stand up to these Elvis impersonator characters. And (laughs) yeah, we'll get into the details of what goes down. Yes, but our episode starts with Drake Mallard in the present, driving to a dilapidated gas station with Goslin in the passenger seat, being like, I need to deliver a package here, and then just jumps into a mailbox and changes into Darkwing Duck in the mailbox. Um, but, you know, I have to say, a run-down, boarded-up gas station is a pretty good shush secret lab, because, I mean, who's going to think that that's a secret lab? True. I feel like kids would probably sneak in, though, to do graffiti and stuff and would end up in their yeah. lab. Goslin literally just crawls through a window and she's in, in a window. <laughs> she's in the in lab. 
Yeah, she's just like, and I'm in. I thought like, oh, hey, this could be good. And then immediately it's in like infiltrated by a child and it's not great anymore. But there's, you know, a bit of back and forth in the car where like the physics of reality don't really seem to take hold in this car because Darkwing's in the car. He's out the car. And then when Goslin eventually gets out of the car, she just basically turns and walks. But there's an allusion to some chicanery that Goslin had gotten up to with a floor wax, peanut butter, and a VCR. And she's like, oh, it's an accident. It's like, what? That sent me back. When I was a child and we had a VCR, it was one of the oldest VCRs in existence because I once saw it in a museum of science and technology many years later. <laughs> That's how I know our VCR. You're saying one, you put your like, Titanic, your hand against the glass and be like, <laughs> I've been looking for you. When I was very young, I remember putting marbles in the VCR and my mom was like, why is the VCR not working? And she had to go get it fixed. And then when they found the marbles, they're like, oh, okay, you know, my four-year-old daughter put marbles in the VCR. And then I went and I did it again, apparently twice. I didn't learn my lesson. Well, it was the first hungry. Time, I guess. So I remember that was the first thing I thought of, but I don't know why she would have put flour wax and pita butter in the VCR. Because she's also double the age that you are when you did this. It was just kind of like, what do kids do? Well, they put stuff in the VCR. Oh, I mean, okay. It was an accident. But also, see, I'm, I'm curious. I want to know about that caper. And then there's there's a lot of weird animation in this episode. A lot of the characters look halfway possessed <laughs> most of the time. From that scene when he's finally like, Goslin, stay in this car, and she's in the car, he tiptoes away from the car, and it is just the weirdest bit of animation. <laughs> he looks like he's zombie walking. And I took a picture, I'll put it on the Twitter. But it's just like, I said what out loud? <laughs> Now I have to open this up and look at this because I'm curious. I didn't even notice this. Yeah, he just tiptoes away behind the car. And it's it's pretty pretty wonderful. Gosh. Yeah, I don't know. But he's basically just like shuffling his feet and his arms don't move. You know, understandable because it's a very small piece of the episode, but that's what I fixate on and it amused me to no end. I want to see the actual, hang on, I want to see how he looks when he's walking. Okay, it's really weird. Okay, he's jumping out of... <laughs> it's so weird i guess he's trying to be sneaky (laughs) yeah but i mean he just drove his car up how sneaky could he be (laughs) like well we'll never suspect i'd left this car here (laughs) these people who are expecting me on a side note don't often Mm -hmm. see him driving a car i think it's only in a couple episodes and what is it like a station wagon yeah yeah it is i think my brain just really wanted it to be wood paneled siding in other episodes but this is probably just the mallard family car i would expect something flashier from drake uh but you know he's probably trying to lay low i am gonna look at bearskin thumb because he has his car in that one and i'm curious if it's the same color and the same make let's take a peek because i know they have a car in you sweat your life as well but i think that's the muddlefoot's car i don't think it's his car Oh, it is the same car. It's a blue station wagon. So it's. Oh, it's well, all right then. Hang on. Switches. The next panel is different. <laughs> oh, that's right. Because in Bearskin Thud, Goslin destroys the car. 
and then he has an orange car. I thought for a second it was just suddenly it's an orange car, but no, that's that's a whole other episode. We'll get to that someday. It's a plot point. (laughs) I just had to know if this was consistent because I don't know why, but I get excited when I see Darkwing doing regular civilian things and one of them is driving a car. Mm -hmm. Yes, this was a good episode for you. For those first five seconds. (laughs) So yeah, so he tiptoes away from the car like a weirdo. And then I had totally forgotten. I don't know why I forgot, but Sarah Bellum is in this episode. She is. Sarah Bellum. And she's great. She's fantastic. And of course, like, she immediately almost kills him because that's how she does. And we get, yeah, we get our little introduction there. I think he he gets his one eye of the terror in there. Yeah, she's great. And she's got a poison dart teddy bear available just in time for the holidays, everybody. For who? (laughs) Yeah, good. Good. Let's put that. We'll put that in the arms of every child. But I also have to say, I'm sure this is probably just a reference to another Elvis song, which is, you know, Let Me Be Your Teddy Bear. Oh, I didn't know that. Because it's really, really heavy on the Elvis songs in this episode, if this wasn't apparent. And then, you know, Goslin climbs in through the window. I don't know if that happened yet. But anyway, you know, Darkwing pops in all dramatic and Sarabellum almost kills him. And he's like, I have your super important package. And it's just a, like the world's tiniest little cassette tape of polka music. <laughs> and, and he he's gets so he's so offended. He really is. He really is. He's an Oompa delivery guy. This insignificant looking package I brought you contains some mysterious secret vital to the safety of the free world. <laughs> Greatest polka hits. You needed a superhero to guard Oompas. But that turns out to be the powering mechanism for their time machine. And I think if anybody in this entire world would appreciate a Polka-powered time machine, it would be Weird Al. I feel like Weird Al could get up to some shit in a Polka-powered time machine. And I'd be there for it. (laughs) I would would trust Weird Al in a Polka-powered time machine with my whole life. And I feel like that would also be a really good band name. Weird Al's Polka-powered time machine. (laughs) So... Dr. Bellum refers to it as the world's first time machine, and all I could think was, did Quacker Jack create his time machine first? Did he beat her to the punch? Because I know that episode comes later, but timeline-wise, I'd like to think that Quacker Jack did it first. Yeah, when he still had the bankroll from uh, Quacker Jack Toys money. Which also calls into question whether Quacker Jack matches her in intelligence if he's able to build an actual time machine. Mm-hmm. See? Um, hmm. But the time top comes along and it's a Megavolt and Quackerjack Endeavor, so maybe they, they teamed up on it. I oh. think he actually has the time machine on his own before the Megavolt episode. So so the time top is in two episodes? Yeah, it's in Quack of Ages when they go back in time um... with King Herb and Binketh. And then also yeah. additional to that, Time and Punishment. And I want to say they use the Shush time machine again in that episode. Well, you mean that that shining refrigerator? Yes, that beautiful shining refrigerator. (laughs) Now I have to check that too. Why am I so obsessed with continuity today? I have to... (laughs) I have to know. uh, Because it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's interesting to see the consistency. I could swear it, it pops up again, the Shush time machine. So let's see here. 
They do use the shush time machine again in Quack of Ages. Oh, okay. Wow, continuity. Oopas. Isn't it ironic that the only continuity is related to time travel? (laughs) (laughs) We can't think of anything else. Let's just use that stupid golf cart again. So, yes, after Darkwing is like, wow, this is exactly what I imagined a time machine to look at. Sarah Bell is like, that's the refrigerator. (laughs) You idiot. It's the golf cart. The golf cart that has an hourglass on the front of it. And then Darkwing is immediately like, oh, I need to get in this. And he, I have to wonder, is he as bad a driver as he is in the golf cart? Like, I don't, I know you said that he drives in other episodes, but Launchpad's his way around this golf cart. And maybe that's why Launchpad is his pilot, because (laughs) Drake is even worse behind the wheel. He reminded me of Goslin, actually, the way that she goes up to machines and she's like, ooh, what's this do? And she starts pressing and poking buttons, and this time it was him. Yeah, which she had already done. She had already basically touched everything in that lab and it fired it off somehow. Yeah, so he was just as impulsive as she was. And then, of course, then they, they trigger their, you know, she's hiding in the golf cart and he starts traveling through time, which was kind of a weird time travel sequence. Yeah, there were, like, like, weird swirls in the sky, and I guess they were portals to different time frames, and there's a tornado in the background, and then for some reason there's a dinosaur and a pyramid just floating around. Yeah, and, and like, a ship or something. An airplane. Or an airplane? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it was just kind of like, let's just throw some stuff in there, and then they go back to the most prehistoric time of all, the 1950s-ish era of the St. Canardians. But yeah, so if we budge all those numbers somewhere, it's Drakey Mallard is somewhere around like nine or ten years old. Like he's a tiny little child and he is wearing a terrible hat. Oh, I don't like that hat. I don't like it's it at a all. It's bad <laughs> hat. And then he's just hanging out at school. But, you know, in the typical fashion of the backgrounds in Darkwing Duck, there's just a basketball hoop right in the middle of the grass. I am not a sports person, but I was just like, what? What? You're just going to play horse forever. And then, of course, we, we get introduced to our our main toady of the episode, Lamont, who is the main villain's little brother. <laughs> who just, uh, who just, like, I don't even know what it is about him. It's probably the hat that he just, like, harps on Drakey. And he puts him in a headlock, and he starts punching him. And later on, Drakey's like, oh... Stop giving me noogies or whatever. But he is flat out punching this kid in the head <laughs> to a like a woodblock sound effect. Know that kid. Lamont. <laughs> What's the matter, Drakey? Oh, did I mush your little comic book? Drakey, that little geek is you. No, it can't be. Come on, Drakey. My big brother's got a gig for us, man. <laughs> but it might be t- dangerous. Ow! 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 Hey, he can't do that to me. Like, this does not make it less violent, Disney. That He's being punched in the face. And of course, you know, Goslin is repulsed by how nerdy Drake was as a child. Multiple times throughout this episode, Goslin brings up how much of a geek he was <laughs> as a child. She just takes shots at him repeatedly. What do you know? Maybe you were such a wimp after all. Guess things aren't always how you remember them, huh, Dad? 
I can't believe it, Gaz. Me, a common criminal. Take it easy, Dad. You weren't a common criminal. You were a really geeky one. But what I thought was interesting is that her best friend is Honker Muddlefoot, who is yeah. the biggest geek on the planet, and she would never tease Honker. She's so nice to him, but with her dad, she's just like, ha, you're a loser. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, she's really insistent on, on dragging him. But of course, he wants to go over and talk to his young self, and she's basically like, back to the future, back to the future, back to the future, don't do it. So he doesn't. But then they wound up following him anyway, because he gets let off by the little greaser kid. And we get down to him robbing a record store. And there's a so lot of money at this record store. There was a lo- I made a note of that. I was like, this is a really lucrative record store. Because, of course, you know, here we get introduced to the king. And I think it's Drakey who says... He's not really the king. <laughs> He's He's not the real- <laughs> king is going to be here any second. He's not the real king. My weird brother. There's plenty to fear. I'm a thief with no peer the one. The only, the king is here. It's like because we really thought that this guy was going to be actual Elvis. So then the king sings a song about himself and his magical guitar that can do telekinesis and psychokinetic blasts of energy, I suppose. But I feel like in a song where you're introducing yourself, you should probably, like, lay out your origin story. We don't know anything about the king other than he has this magical guitar that lets him steal things and really loves to sound like Elvis. Is the name of the guitar some sort of reference? Cecile? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure B.B. King's guitar's name was Lucille. And I think that is probably it. I mean, I'm just going to Google Elvis Cecile real quick because I don't know much about Elvis. Shocking. Uh, nothing comes up. So, Not. Cecile, who knows? Also, we got more adults in diapers in this episode. Yeah. Yes, because every time they sing a song, it's a whole production number out of nowhere. Like, with props and giant crowns, and then they turn into giant effigies of themselves, which I'm sure was very fun for the animators or the storyboarders to cook up. But it's just kind of like, is this is this really happening? And it just gets kind of even crazier when Darkwing has his own song at the end. But yeah, it was definitely like, oh, okay. So the guys who are being robbed, are they just standing here and and watching this? Or... <laughs> yes, I'd like to think so. Yes. And then, you know, there's a pile of money. I don't know if Record Store has ever made that much money at any point in time, but apparently this one did. Also, the store owner is a bear, which you don't see very often for background characters, the incidentals. Hmm. I didn't even notice that. I think I was too horrified by the song it's worth noting that the record store itself is shaped like a record player mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, that's what uh-huh. we do uh-huh 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 on darkwing duck so darkwing is about to crash the robbery and he pulls the gas gun and everything and Rosalind is like hello have you never seen a time travel movie are you 
too crazy. If you use your gas gun on them, who knows what could happen to us in the future? <laughs> I had a feeling I wasn't going to like time travel. <laughs> then why did you get into the golf cart? This is all your fault, Drake. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so then I just kind of let them get away, and they're like, well, this was a fun trip to the past. Let's go back to the present. And things are not at all as they left them, dear listener. Just the one listener. <laughs> because back in the present, in the presumed shush secret lab, the golf cart materializes on a hydraulic lift as it would be a functioning garage. Wasn't it a gas station? It was, but it wasn't, it didn't look like this when we last saw it. Huh. Because it was not a functioning gas station at that time. It just had a fridge and all of Sarah Bellin's things. So then Darkwing scopes out the joint and finds Hooter and Bellum under the hood of a car. But they turn around and, oh no, they have giant pompadours as well. Because we now know that this is a splinter timeline where things are not at all right because then Jake Ander Hooter immediately threatens Darkwing with a knuckle stand. <laughs> <laughs> and it was... Yeah. He kills him, basically. He just drops the hydraulic lift on Darkwing. An entire golf cart and all that crushes him. But then, you know, our hero is never truly beaten and wasps his way out. He's yelling. But he's completely smothered. And I'm trying mm-hmm. to picture how Jim Cummings must have done that. Did he cover his mouth and just start screaming through his hands? Or did he smother his face? We'll never know. We'll never know. We'll never know. And then our fears are only confirmed... When who should roll up to the garage but the king and his cronies. And here is where we get our obligatory fat Elvis in any iteration of Elvis. You need to have the fat one, apparently. And we get our I am the terror, the flaps of the night, and the cloud that rains on your hip parade. I think he had tried to do one before and then he got pinned to the wall by Cerebellum darts. And... It's somehow, in this Elvis-verse, there is another Drake Mallard with the king, who's still his little toady guy, like, and he's just carrying the guitar around. And so... He just continues being a geek. I think he's referred to as a wimpazoid, <laughs> actually. The scientific genus. <laughs> On the subject of Elvis, I actually know nothing of Elvis, so I never understood the fat Elvis reference, but when I was researching for this episode i read the wikipedia page and fell down a hole of wikipedia stuff man it gets dark the whole yes it gets real dark like the reason that elvis is overweight and i read articles about how they exaggerated just how overweight he was he wasn't actually that overweight but because he was Mm -hmm. originally very thin physique and you know the model status of a very attractive person when he started to let himself go because he was completely drug addled yep he put on weight and then he showed up at concerts apparently completely out of it and just Mm -hmm. it was i was like wow this i did not know this is what happened i didn't know he died on a toilet 
either. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I think, for me, is makes it even weirder that he was, like, in all these kid shows. And it's just like, hey, look at he was fat. Let's just make him in the show. And all these terrible things happened to this man. And he had a complete, like, you know, meltdown and basically OD'd and died on a toilet. Let's put him, you know what? Kids love <laughs> love Elvis. Let's put him in here. He was also in a bunch of movies. He was Elvis. Elvis Palooza. If the King of St. Canard was fat to be a parody of Fat Elvis, does that mean that the Elvis of the Duckverse also went through this stuff? Or is it just the King is coincidentally let himself go as a reference to us, the viewers of the real world? I mean, we'll never know. We'll never get that deep, deep backstory of the King. What I do know is that Darkwing is a real Elvis fan. He shows that a couple times throughout this episode, just aside from the fact that he's very insulted that this guy isn't the real king. He, I think a couple times he remarks about, you know, this guy giving the king a bad name and stuff like that. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that are said that are just song quotes or, you know, the names of songs. So it's very, whoever wrote this episode was much more into Elvis than my quick Google Elvis song titles for our intro. <laughs> But I think the thing that upsets me the most about the overweight king is that he calls Drake, Drakey baby. <laughs> like, no, what does that imply? I and the way like he it. says it, too. Uh, but that looks d d dangerous. Yeah, you worry too much about what's dangerous, Drakey baby. Anyhow, it ain't you that's gonna get cream molded. Yeah, it's not, like, the same as everybody else, too. It's just kind of like, oh, no, Drake, we need to save you. You need an adult. What's happened? What's happened to you? You never even earned a leather jacket passing you around like Cecile. <laughs> and that is why Drake and Goslin realize that they actually have to go back in time and correct this. Drake's, uh, or Darkwing's secret code phrase to trigger Goslin to be like oh yeah I probably shouldn't just watch my father be crushed by a motor engine in front of me you should do a request and Darkwing's like you know any polka <laughs> and then the king has I think my favorite line of his in this episode is the king don't polka <laughs> how about a polka baby the king don't polka he was so offended. It just, struck, it just struck me so funny. I was like, this is terrible. This is so bad. So, yeah. So then, of course, you know, our intrepid adventurers get away. And for all of the lecturing that Goslin has done up to this point about not interfering with the timeline and how to be cool and not, you know, they see Drakey and she marches right up to him. And she's like, I'm Goslin and this is you. I mean, Darkwing. <laughs> Drakey? Do, do, do I know you? Well, not yet, but you will. I'm Goslin, and this is you. I mean, this is Darkwing Duck. The terror that flaps. Don't mind him. He's just a little overdramatic as part of being a superhero. This whole scene plays out very strangely. Because from there, she's like, you should tell us where the king's hideout is. And he's like, I don't know, that sounds dangerous. And she goes, not as dangerous as me. And then she's going to, like, beat the crap out of him. 
She is winding up a punch to deck her young father in his face. I think my favorite part because... of that scene is when Drakey's asking because he Darkwing introduces himself as a superhero and he's like, A superhero? You're a real superhero? Just like Super Pig in the flesh, feathers. Wow, are you faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive and stuff? Uh, well, I, I... <laughs> no, I'm not. And then okay. it switches back to Drakey, and he has the most traumatized expression. Yeah, on his he's face. so disappointed. Also, Super Pig is super jacked. He really is. Like muscles on top of muscles. Then Darkwing decides that he needs to take action here and teach Drakey how to fight. So there's a whole little, very short montage that involves Darkwing getting kicked in the stomach. And apparently it hurts a lot, so he has some inherent talent, which is nice. But then, of course, Lamont, a.k.a. Little Brother, shows up and is like, Hey, Drakey, we need you to come do bad things. And Drakey's like, I'm gonna kick your ass. These are not, this is verbatim, actually. This is, this is the list. This is actually, I'm just watching the episode, reading the subtitles. Then Lamont genuinely acts very scared. And I was like, there's no way this kid is actually scared of him. And, of course, we find out later that he was just joking or, you know, was just putting out an act. But I'm like, you know what, Lamont? You need to break away from your big brother and start an acting career because he was pretty believable. He's like, I know you should join our gang since you're so tough. And then Drake, he says, How's about joining our gang? No way. Superheroes don't join gangs. (laughs) And you know what? That's our lesson for this week, kids. That's our moral of the story. Stay in but of school. Course, you know. That's it. Don't join a gang. If anybody offers you a leather jacket, you throw it at the nearest police officer. So that's our setup there because apparently Lamont was not actually very scared of Drakey, uh, who just kind of karate chopped in a general direction and said, hi, yeah, which I don't understand how that is not terrifying. Apparently they were luring Drakey to their next crime for some reason but their next crime is they are going to be stealing the gold records out of a record company like a record label place that is actually shaped like a jukebox i loved it because yeah it's pretty cool but also the interior design of this presumable office building there has to be so many accidental deaths because there's guardrails on nothing Nothing! It's very unsafe. <laughs> Just a giant record player and casually a small couch and a lamp in the corner. But there's giant records that I don't even know if they actually play real music. And a giant needle for the record player. And that's pretty hardcore for, what, the 50s? Yeah, I know. It's very very ambitious architecture, I'll tell you. And it's a functioning jukebox too because then you know of course the the villains have to try to kill our heroes on it but you know as much as they were like we're getting the drop on these bad guys the bad guys were already there and yet again in darkwing tradition the baddies just sneak up behind darkwing and goslin and incapacitate them basically immediately (sighs) and then drakey mallard has to come into his own heroism as what would darkwing duck do and he has bubble gum in his mouth and he takes it out of his mouth and 
shoots it at the arm of the record player and it just expands to god knows how much bubble gum it'd be like 45 mouthfuls of bubble gum and and stops them from being crushed to death and of course the first thing that happens is darkwing complains about it of course he does bubblegum i was saved by bubblegum you're welcome how about you try thank you sometime mr mallard to your young self and then we get drakey has his own little i am the terror speech and he says i am the toddler that naps in the night oh what hi i'm dark That's what I was about to say. Like, you're not a toddler. <laughs> you were a child. I assumed he was Goslin's age because they're the same height. He was in school. Like, he was playing in the school playground. Toddlers. <sighs> but yeah, so he does his whole thing and then he snatches the king's wig because, of course, he has Elvis Pisha. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then, in the course of all that, Darkwing and Goslin get free and then we are rewarded with a very intense battle sequence in which Darkwing catches Cecile and we get our second song of the episode which is just the music from the first song with different lyrics so that Darkwing can sing about himself. The only thing I have in the notes for this is WWDWD as in what would DW do and I feel like that was in (laughs) reference to something did he say something like, what would the king do? Oh, no, that was Drakey. Drakey said, what would Darkwing Duck do? Oh, right. And that's, and that's when he shoots his bubble gum at the, the arm of the record player. But yeah, no, this is the whole song. There's nothing to fear. Darkwing is here. Like of the hour or something of the year. It's just a nonsensical montage of, of visuals uh, wherein we get treated to seeing Goslin and Drakey as cheerleaders. And at one point, Darkwing is surfing while playing the guitar. And then he's, I guess, knocked from his surfboard at some point because then he shows back up surfing on a shark and throws a skunk at a guy. It's it's a whole thing. And he, uh, I guess, brings the entire building down on him with his last power cord. And yet again... Another point in this show where I was expecting some kind of pun about bringing down the house never happens. Nope. Just asks if anybody has a broom. But you know what DW did do? He did the Michael Jackson moonwalk at one point. He grabs the tip of his hat and tips his hat forward and does the moonwalk. (laughs) And as he's done with it, he's like, you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it. (laughs) And he's got to rush off to find Doc. But it's just, just a song. And, of course, like, I feel like needless to say, the King's song was in... It was an Elvis-type song, but I feel like he did it more like Jerry Lee Lewis, the Great Balls of Fire guy. But Jim Cummings was definitely trying to do his best Elvis impression for his Darkwing song. I don't know if he succeeded, but he definitely went for it. And I was glad when it was over. Yes, yeah, so the villains are thwarted through the power of song... Darkwing Drakey possibly gets all the credit because he's outside talking to the cops and like, did you do all this, kid? And he's like, oh, me and all these people who aren't around me? Oh my gosh, I'm all alone. And the cop is a pig. 
Of course he is. <laughs> so, so then, you know, then of course we see that Darkwing and Goslin have just retreated across the street and are watching things. Goslin is, um, you know, I don't know how you don't remember some weirdo in a cape helping you when you were a kid. And Darkwing's like, oh, you know, I. My memory's so good, I would remember something like that. Now, where did I park? And of course, the, the golf cart is right behind him. I still don't get why you don't remember a duck in a cave helping you when you were a kid. A perplexing puzzlement indeed. Especially with my photographic memory. Oh, now, uh, where the heck did I park that time machine? Dad! So that's basically just like a hand wave of being like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, we'll never talk about it again. Then she's like, the golf cart, it's right here, Dad. And he does the creepiest, like, it's a, it's the final scene of the episode, and it fades to black, like, right after he's done doing this monstrosity. And she just goes, I know that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, baby. Oh, no. Is it, like, is it a, a sickness? Like, is everybody got, <laughs> like, Elvis disease now? So, but yeah, that's it. That's the end of the episode. So we can only assume that the present has returned to normal from here. Unless it's just like a splinter universe now where Darkwing and Goslin are stuck in the eternal Elvisverse. Because we don't know. We don't know. I was reading the credits for this episode and the post-production services were by a company called Exploding Bunny. And all I could think of is, did Negaduck make this company oh negaduck look at him the enterprising little scamp <laughs> but also if so if this is the case if this is you know what really happened even if just in this episode that darkwing duck inspired himself as a young child to become darkwing duck i don't think that darkwing is at all above going back in time again and serving younger him season desist papers <laughs> like this is my thing I'm Darkwing Duck stop calling yourself Darkwing Duck because that's the level of ridiculous that this show is and the enormity of Darkwing's ego I did like that you could see his little tail yes he had a little hole in his pants so that his tail could poke out which was cute but he was wearing pants he so was at some point he gives that up the hero of his heart was pantsless so he's like well Time to come into my own. Isn't he wearing pants in Clash Reunion, too? Yes. He wears bell-bottoms. Where is the uh, origin episode of Drake Freeball in it? <laughs> pants are just leg prisons. <laughs> they are. They are. Free the legs. Free the ducky legs. But yeah, so that's that episode, and we made it through. We did. And uh, it was... It was interesting, I think, too, that the King's gang, which we didn't really get into too much, there's only a few of them, but there's the King himself, there's Lamont, who's his little brother, who looks just like him, they're dog-nosed people, and then there's another dog guy in the group who's a big jacked dude, and then there's a little fox, and his name is Boxcar, and I don't have a photographic memory for this stuff, but I don't remember any other foxes in Darkwing Duck. Unless you count the comics. Where we got a sexy fox lady. 
Well, I have not read the comics. You'll be able to yell at me about that in uh, some upcoming episodes soon. But yeah, as far as like the show verse itself, I don't remember another fox. So I was like, oh, okay, little fox guy. He was very good on a trumpet uh, when fanfare needed to be played and saxophone and all kinds of things. He was very versatile. I hope that after the king was arrested, he went on to do better things in his life. Only wishing the best for a boxcar. In terms of Darkwing Duck and his backstory, I guess you could technically say there was some established canon here because at the very beginning of the episode, when he's reminiscing about the gas station, he says, this is where my old school used to be. I guess his entire school got bulldozed over at some point and replaced with a broken down gas station. (laughs) Well, one would hope that it was actually a functioning gas station at some point. And then he says... What do you know? This is where my old school used to be. <laughs> and right over there was my house. Hey, I thought you said you had to walk 12 miles to school. No, just get back in the car. Now we know that technically Drake grew up in St. Canard and he did not live on Avian Way. He lived, I guess, in this once suburban neighborhood that is apparently really broken down now and dilapidated. That's what happens when you lose your monarch. Also, can we take note of the fact that somehow he took over St. Canard as the king of St. Canard in this alternate future, somehow led to the citizens being forced to wear (laughs) this Elvis fashion. Does this imply that he took over the entire world or just St. Canard? And why do the St. Canardians actually stay and wear this fashion when they could just leave? Is St. Canard this bubble that's like stuck forever in this Elvis era because he runs the place? Or did he take over the world somehow with his magic guitar? Well, so Seal would be his queen, but he is just the king of St. Canard. So I feel like if he was the king of the world, then he would have to change his title. Who knows? I mean, the power of rock can do many things. It can bring a man to tears. They're being shaken down by this guy. They don't seem to be shush agents. They're just working on a car. So does the king actually becoming a a force to be reckoned with and starting his reign of musical horror over St. Canard make shush a non-entity? It's very interesting. It's very compelling. So whoever wants to write that fanfic, I believe in you. I will probably never read it, but I would pretend to be interested if you told me about it. They look like they're mechanics, essentially. So somehow Mm -hmm. just the fact that Darkwing and Drakey did not stop this Elvis impersonator somehow led to Shush not being a thing in the future. What wacky events took place in between that time that somehow just, yeah. It's very, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, without Darkwing Duck. Well, look at how terrible everything would be inside this one particular garage at this one particular moment. You know, who knows if it was actually better for St. Canard that King was there. I mean, he was being a brute to Bellum and Hooter, but we don't know what's happening. We don't know what's happening outside. What's your rating on the Quackerware freshness scale? Oh, well, my rating on the Quackerware freshness scale is I think it's going to be a 2 out of 5, baby. That's what I was going to give it to, a 2 out of 5, because it's not the worst episode. It's a bit underwhelming, but I thought it had some funny lines here and there, mostly Goslin, the way she ribs Darkwing throughout the whole thing, and the way Darkwing interacts with his child self, and just the back and forth 
there I thought was kind of funny. And there's, there's a few lines in there that gave me a laugh. So it's not the worst episode, but it's certainly not in my top favorite list either. Yeah. And I don't really feel like anybody really got a time to shine in this episode either. Like there was no lines that I'm like, oh, I need to, you know, write that down. And it's just like, they're all okay. It was, it was fine. It was an okay episode. It just knowing the gold that's out there and hopefully maybe when we spin this wheel, <laughs> we'll get to watch one of the good ones. Uh, but yeah, so this was Paradox, everybody. We did it. Made it. You made it. Disney Animation Studio also made it. They actually made it. You ready to spin this wheel? Yeah, let's spin the wheel. Spin it. Dun, 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 Let's begin it. Oh, oh yeah. We have a winner. Uh, uh. Oh, no. We have a winner. It's the secret origins of Darkwing Duck. Oh, I like that but episode. At least Negaduck is in that one. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> this is another, an origin story for Darkwing. That's funny how that happened. So I guess we're firmly in, in origin story territory here. So our next episode will be us discussing heavily inspired with a 1980s Superman episode of Darkwing Duck called The Secret Origins. What category did we put oh, that one in? Probably alternate universe or Tad Stone says it's totally just a, a riff on the Christopher Reeve Superman movie. But you know what? It's fine. Oh, fine. Oh, yeah, I put it in random alternate universe episodes. There it is. So next week, we will be watching and talking to you about the secret origins of Darkwing Duck. I'm excited. I have theories and all kinds of stuff for that episode, so. Oh, good. I'm excited to hear them. I honestly don't even know the last time I watched this episode, so I might be, you know, remembering parts of it that I just roll my eyes but I don't really remember too much of it so this will be exciting and I'm excited to hear your takes on it and we will get to that next time but for today that's all and remember crime doesn't sleep and, and neither, neither do we, we. uh-huh 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 baby <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody bye there's nothing to fear cause Darkwing is here the prince of the night the duck of the year Cause now you're up against Darkwing Duck, so don't you worry.